episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes and clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will propel the podcast into the tops of the iTunes charts and it will uh, it will help strangers find the podcast and um, it will uh, it will create more exposure for the show on the uh, the national and uh, an international level and uh, just super helpful and a, a free way to contribute to the sustainability of this thing and uh appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have taken the time to do so appreciate you just for tuning in we got episode 201 coming at you david pollock on the show he's a music producer mixer recording engineer who is uh based here in portland oregon and uh, a name that has come up many times on the podcast as uh he's just worked on a lot of uh of the projects that have been featured on this show over the years so uh it was a pleasure to sit down with him so we're going to get into that thing momentarily uh do want to tell you about a uh a dj gig that i have on february 19th at church that is february 19th that is this wednesday coming at you at church i'm going to be uh spinning some digital jams there some uh some rap and some hip-hop some funk some r&b some soul Gonna be uh, throwing in a lot of different stuff and uh, playing playing a lot of local stuff as well as always. So that is February nineteenth. Stoked to be uh, back over there at church. And uh, thank you for all the the feedback for episode two hundred. That was a, a blast hanging out with London, talking all kinds of wild stuff. And uh, we went deep on that one. We went over two hours, maybe two and a half. If you haven't checked out that episode, definitely encourage you to uh, to travel back to episode 200 after you're done listening to uh, my chat here with David Pollock. But uh, yeah, that was that was a rad hang with London. And uh, yeah, sorry about the 40 minute intro. There was it just seemed like a lot. There was a lot to be addressed introducing episode 200 and and uh a lot of reflecting to do and and i um i did so i did so for about 40 minutes so you can skip along to uh about the 40 minute mark if you want to if you just want to get into the chat with london and i but uh yeah thank you for uh continuing to support this thing i mentioned in episode 200 in my conversation with London, because we talked religion a bit, um, I mentioned to him that my buddy Andrew and I had started a new podcast, 
and uh, episode one of that has has dropped. So I'm pretty stoked about that. I may I may include an episode in this feed just to uh, just for anybody that wants to check it out and uh, doesn't want to have to go searching for it. I'm not gonna obviously not release it as an episode of this podcast, but just as a uh, opportunity for people to check it out. But I'm going to put the link in the episode notes for uh, for it if you want to follow it. It's called Bible Buds. And uh, it's just my buddy Andrew and I who both grew up going to church. and uh, But separated ourselves from it kind of post high school. And um, neither of us identify as Christian or really uh, identify with any organized religion at all but we're both uh still pretty spiritually curious i guess and uh seekers of sorts so we're we're just kind of uh we're having this kind of wild bible study where we get super baked we smoke some of the chiba and um we uh we kind of go through the bible and we're going through it on our own and then kind of convening together for these conversations and uh yeah just kind of having this this bible study with uh you know some uh some tools to get you buttered and uh maybe a cocktail here and there and uh it's just a real laid back thing and we're not doing it to like necessarily tear anything down but to uh just to see what we can pull from it from a different perspective i've never really gone through the bible and um yeah it's been a trip. We've done a couple of them. We released episode one. And uh, so if that's of interest to you at all, check it out. Um, and we're going to we're gonna get into having some guests on that show as well. Seem to uh, have met a lot of musicians here, uh, especially in Portland, Oregon, where I've been at the last seven years. And uh, just met quite a bit of people that, that used to go to church and don't go anymore, but uh, maybe have uh, the the desire still to have some of that spirituality in their life, I guess. And uh, and and so we've we've come across a lot of people that are like pretty stoked about it. And uh, I don't know. It was just a ridiculous thought one day that I had that hey, I want to get blasted and go through the Bible and see what this thing is about and uh we've been having a good time i want to give a shout to my my buddy chris spicer who's been on this show before um with the band camp crush and one of the first dudes i met in the uh portland music scene he's doing a bunch of design work and he's doing posters and things of that nature so we uh we got him to do the bible buds podcast logo and i'm pretty stoked what he did with it so shouts to uh shouts to Chris Spicer for that. Um I need to wrap this up. I gotta get myself to the airport. Really pumped. Heading to Denver for the weekend. Going to the uh the stadium series, the NHL stadium series is taking place in uh at the Air Force football stadium in Colorado Springs. And the LA Kings are playing the Colorado Avalanche. And myself and a couple of my best friends are going and uh, really stoked. It's going to be so rad, rad, rad <laughs> to uh, see a hockey game outdoors. I have never 
gotten to witness something like this and uh i am a huge hockey fan if you uh are not a regular listener huge hockey fan and uh i'm just so pumped to be uh heading out to denver to go see this hockey game outdoors with two dudes who uh i enjoy watching this game with more than anyone or most so it's going to be uh it's going to be a good one so uh let's uh let's cruise into this thing as i said david pollock mentioned on this podcast a lot throughout the years and um, i'll tell you what this was a really cool episode we dove into a lot of different things usually speaking primarily to musicians on the podcast so it was great to have someone more on the uh the technical side and to uh get to hear david's approach to uh engineering and mixing and and just the way that he really likes to be involved in projects i really dug and um this was a super inspiring conversation to me this is definitely one of my favorites this thing cruised right along we did quite a bit of time i think we talked for about an hour and a half and um man so many cool stories and um there's just uh some very cool moments that that david shared and particularly when he gets into uh talking about the opportunity to work with the band cake who is is such a big band and um just a really killer band and and david has had the opportunity recently to uh start working with them and uh the story he has to tell about how it just all kind of came full circle is is so gnarly and uh yeah just super inspiring i had so much fun hanging out with this dude it was our the first time we ever met and uh we had been dming back and forth about setting this thing up the last couple months or so so it was really nice to to finally meet him and uh just to get to hang out in his space he has a really killer basement studio that um just has such a good vibe and uh would encourage any musicians who are looking to make a record that that maybe you think about getting david pollock involved because uh I think he does some some pretty great work, and we're going to feature some of that throughout the episode. So want to thank David again for coming on the podcast, and uh, I'll put all the links in the episode notes so that you can, uh, you can follow along with David or check out his uh, Spotify playlist that he has put together of some of his favorite work that he's done over the years. This dude's made a lot of records and uh, just thought he had some some killer stories to to share on the podcast so stoked to get into this thing uh don't forget to leave your itunes reviews super important to the show can't stress it enough all the links in the episode notes um one of uh my favorite records that david has uh worked on is uh with a band from portland oregon called tango alpha tango they always put on such a great show and a band that I heard a lot about when I first started getting into the the Portland music scene and definitely didn't disappoint the first time I ever got to see them. And uh, this record, White Sugar, it's, uh, it's really great. It's really killer. It sounds amazing. And um, 
I definitely have a copy of this on vinyl. So uh, we're going to kick it off with the first track off of uh, off the Tango Alpha Tango record called White Sugar. And that first track is called I Need a Girl. Episode 201 coming at you. David Pollock's on the show. Let's do the damn thing. Yeah. 
All right, David, you ready to uh, you ready to jump into this thing, man? Oh, let's do it. Um, this is very cool. I'm stoked to uh, to sit down and talk to you about uh, all this this mixing and and producing and engineering that you do. I haven't had uh, I haven't had many engineers is on the show. So? I think only bands. one prior. Yeah. Um, and a handful of producers that are maybe more in the in the world of like producing beats, sure, yeah, and things of that nature. But um, yeah, I think you were maybe one of the first. You're definitely the first dedicated kind of studio engineer. Mm. I think the other engineer I had on was was Mountain Air Mike, who mixes down this this podcast oh, yeah. usually. Okay, and and he um, primarily operates in the in the live right. engineering world. Right. Um. But you have been mentioned many times on this podcast by guests right because on. you have worked with uh, a lot of people that have been on on the show in the past. So that is, uh, it's very cool to to finally sit down with you. Well, good to be here. Awesome. Um, and you're welcome to my studio. <clears throat> yeah, this is a super cool spot. This is thank you a great space. Um, you've been. Operating, operating out of this uh, this spot for a while. Yeah, we've been here for like four years, um, and I, you'll see other people listening will not see, um, but you will see that it's um, just full of like amps and guitars and old recording equipment. Um, Lots of gear. Yeah, and it's a small space. It's basement. Um, yeah. A finished basement, a lot of wood. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of wood. I'm trying to describe it now. Uh, it's got a vibe, yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, and you, born and raised in in Portland, Oregon. Yes, yes. Is, I feel like a rarity of meeting people. Yeah, of there's your like kind three here. of us, <laughs> um, and we're all friends. <laughs> but I suppose at some point, maybe right now, we should clear the difference between me david pollock and another person who makes music in portland who has also been on this podcast he has been yes okay (laughs) the other david pollock has been on the podcast right on (laughs) um, and a dude that i know fairly well since he moved here we've Um, never met uh yeah (laughs) i just every once in a while we'll see on like facebook or something like that where (laughs) maybe it's probably usually you being like hey this isn't me. I'm not on this show. <laughs> I'm not playing this show. <laughs> yeah, I get tagged in stuff. Um, uh, one of my family members went to one of his shows thinking it was my show. Are you serious? Because um, I used to play, but ne- never under my name. That's so, so rad. Yeah, it's starting <laughs> to come up. And then uh, a couple days ago, somebody hit me up and about mixing something. And... He was half correct about wanting me to do it, but he also had some things about the other person mixed in there. So I was like, yeah, it's just it's just odd. But <laughs> so my cool. name is P-O-L-L-O-C-K. His is A-C-K. And uh, he is a singer-songwriter, is that? Yeah, and hopefully this plays to your benefit. He now is uh, putting out all of his music under double play. Oh, that's sick. So hopefully. (laughs) Thank you, brother, from another. (laughs) All right, David, we can meet now. (laughs) I'll I'll hook it up. (laughs) Um, 
Yes, you are definitely not the other David Pollock. And um, yeah, man. Cool. Um, so there's that. That's good. There is that. Have you ever um, left here? Have you spent all of your years here in Portland? I did leave here. Um, after high school, I went straight to New York. I went to NYU. Um, I studied music production and music business and all those things in one program. Um, and then I pretty much came straight back here after college because um, I had been freelancing engineering at the studio in Oregon City called Supernatural Sound. Um, and I, it came to my attention that the person who was running that studio was leaving and I really wanted to run a studio, um, in a, like a, a real, like working at a studio kind of sense. And that was an opportunity that presented itself. So I came back here. Um, yeah, that would have been pretty tough to try to start, um, from the ground up and yeah. do, uh, like engineering and producing in New York with the just the high overhead and um, not being as established there because I was always making records and doing music stuff here in high school. So um, I just had a lot of friends and I was able to work on stuff um, pretty immediately. That's a pretty cool space as well. Have you been to Supernatural? I, I have not. I've seen lots of pictures and I know a lot of people that have been nice in and out of there. Because we pro I mean, we must know... 20 or 30 bands in common. So you probably know you're aware of stuff that. Yeah, for I sure. I also know, um, like, were you around when Kai on the mountain made their record? Yeah. Cause Matthew, like his dad, his they dad own owns the studio. Yeah. The, the whole property. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so, I did. I'm really good friends with Luke Neal who uh -huh. like produced the record. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. That, didn't come out but i engineered that yes it did um, not come out <laughs> i wish it would but i don't think that's a band anymore no, it is not it is but not. it should be because there are some good songs on that record they were on the podcast very early on okay yeah nice I, yeah i thought they were especially for their age i thought they were making some very cool music because they were all relatively very early 20s right so it seemed like there was definitely uh a lot of room for growth there and definitely like a lot of raw talent. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And let's see, Justin, the guitarist went on to be in the hugs. Yeah. Justin's playing with the hugs. Um, um and I don't know that any of the I other think ones Kaya are... went to Nashville. Um, maybe she did for a while. I think she's back. I okay. saw her like randomly ran into her at wherever she was working one day. Okay. So, cool. But yeah, I'm not really sure. Everybody just, yeah. Different, different yeah, paths, different journeys. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you must see bands kind of come and go, especially from this area, like all the time. Like you know how fast something can start up and then be gone. It can be gone so suddenly too. I don't like it when it's gone um, while we're making the record. I don't like to <laughs> or feel like, like when a project I've doesn't get up. completed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's one of the worst things. There are only, there's like a small handful of things that are bad. And like one of the bad things is like when you don't promote your record. That's, that's the other bad thing. Everything else is pretty like, okay. You yeah. know what I mean? Like 
Well, and then, I don't know, you also seem to have, like, these moments. We were talking about the, the Roselit Bone um, Crisis Actor record that you tracked, and you were talking about how, like, your favorite jam didn't even make the record. Yeah. Is that, like, something that will happen Yeah, pretty often where you're really feeling a track <laughs> and it just doesn't make it to the press? It doesn't happen often because, so on that record, I was the tracking engineer. I recorded everything. A lot of it was live, um, and that's a lot of people live. Um, How many people in that band, like, as far as well, when you say a lot? There were, like, two acoustic guitars next to each other tracking live in a room, and there, were, there was drums... Um, the violin player was right next to the drums, um, which I wouldn't advise, but um, if you need to do that for like visual communication, then fuck what I think about sound isolation. Do what makes you feel good and is going to get a good performance. But yeah, it was a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's always most important, though, as far as like you're concerned that just be most comfortable so you're going to get like the most quality take that you can put out. Yeah, I mean if it's a if it's between being comfortable and not having perfect sound separation and being really well isolated and recorded well but bringing nothing emotionally to the table, you know, which one which one would you do i mean a lot of times you can have both i think like sometimes i've i've done rock records where you go in and you have a meeting and you talk about the production style before we do it and they're like okay we're all going to be in the same room because that's like how led zeppelin did it and it's like okay you could but if you could just separate things a little bit more, we're going to have a really good time getting awesome sounds that deliver that energy, but in a more modern and way that's within our control, the way that we want it to sound. And so a lot of times you can um, just as a group overcome some like irrational romantic um, concepts and yeah. just make a good sounding record. You don't have to sacrifice sound and feel you know for sure is that all stuff you feel like you've kind of learned over time and gained with experience as far as kind of getting out of your own way too with projects i guess so yeah um i just want everybody to make something that not only represents where they're coming from but can like elevate the magic a little bit, you know? And it's like, I don't really have an interest in like capturing a live band and like a, like a four piece rock band and just like doing it like their show. Like I can do that and it's fun and it sounds really good, but it's nice when people can try the stuff that they like dream about and kind of like, just expand the palette a little bit, you know? Yeah, um, and just kind of really make use of 
the studio and and what can be done in that that yeah. sort of space. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's so much you can do. If you want to make a live record, just make a live record because the performance you're going to do on stage with people there is going to be great. So yeah, it's is, nice to see a difference. Is it uh, usually still important in some way for you to try to track as much live before the overdubs happen? As yeah. As far as having the band in the room together just to capture that energy? Yeah. I like it seems like people often if it if it's a band that has like guitar and bass and drums usually some amount of those things get recorded together um and that's cool you don't I think like doing a drum track without any music is crazy yeah. I know people do that um Really? I don't, yeah, it's like, I guess I don't know exactly how they do it, but I'm, I, I feel like people do, that's like a thing, maybe get a click going yeah, and kind of like imagine the song form in your head while you're drumming to this openness, um, that but that's goofy, so I wouldn't do that, um, yeah. Speaking from somebody that doesn't play the drums at all, that yeah. still feels like you don't like play would, the drums. I don't play the drums. Would you like to play the drums? Um, I think that that was what I always thought that I wanted to play as a kid. You okay, know? what do you play? Any I play guitar a little bit, but more like I play well enough to write some songs that I can't shred at uh, all, and I'm not somebody that is good for a jam. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like. yeah. I can't shred and um, I can't jam very well. I, I contri- <laughs> yeah, I would contribute nothing to a jam, I feel like, you know. When people are like, Hey man, you should come over and jam, I'm like, Nope, sure shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had some poor jam performances. I like to if I ever get in a situation like that, I just sit there and appreciate what the other people are doing and try to be useful. Um Yeah. <laughs> hopefully it's like in my studio so I can be useful by recording it or something. <laughs> But I don't know, there's, yeah, that's just a different way to be. I'm, as a songwriter, um, I'm more of the um, be alone and fuck around and develop an idea and then bring it to people okay. kind of thing. Um, um, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. How early on do you kind of get into music? Like, what was your early exposure? I think, well, I'll do it briefly. Um, with some with some key moments, I guess. I remember I was probably like five or six, and um, I was like, we had a piano in my parents' house, and there would be like 50s and 60s records playing, and um, I was I would just sit down at the piano and figure them out by ear. Um, no one ever like pushed you towards the piano no you just kind of gravitated to it on and your that's own. where i would spend my time and so, so i guess in like first grade or something i don't know i don't know how old people are in grades uh but five guess, or six is, okay i think that's right um i was six okay <laughs> we'll yeah off of what I, was <laughs> <laughs> I was probably yeah same i guess <laughs> um but yeah piano lessons i took piano lessons every week from like first grade until senior year of high school. Oh damn! Um, and I took guitar lessons in high school. I didn't really take drum lessons, but I always played. Um, 
And then I wrote songs and I went to a small school and we had a really small school band. And so I was in like fifth grade and it was kind of formatted to be like a rock band because it was such a small group and the guy was just rad. And so he tailored it to the interests of the people in it. And he knew that I was like, I had a stereo at home and I was like, it had two cassette decks in it. And so I was recording on one and then playing back and recording on the other one. And so it's like two cassette overdub kind of layering thing. And so I was in fifth grade and this band teacher, he brought in his four track cassette recorder and we stayed after band and he showed me how to use it. That's so cool. And so like I went out and got one immediately. And so from like fifth grade on, I've thought of myself as a person who makes recordings. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> See, the, so that caught on almost as early on as you getting really into music. There, It was the same thing, you know, like the, I feel like I recorded music to record my songs, but I wrote songs to practice recording music. That's very it's, cool. Um, <laughs> And what is that? Are you fucking, what, 10 years old or something? That's kind of weird. Yeah. Um. <laughs> that's so rad, though, to, that's somebody, like, like your band teacher took the time to, like, recognize that you were into that. Yeah. It was just like, I'm going to bring this recorder and show them how to do this. Yeah. What a, what a way to, like, connect with your students and actually believe that... Um, you can like have a positive influence as a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> and now this is what you do with your life. Yeah. And we've talked a little bit since then. Um, That's very cool. He's just really happy. Uh, and I guess he's proud to have like shown ha- you the way. Influence. Yeah. <laughs> and he's cool. I got to give him a shout out. Some people might know him. His name is Danny Schoffler. Um, is he still teaching? Yeah. He teaches, I think he teaches at valley catholic high school but what's hilarious is i worked with this band called big haunt um and the drummer jeff evans is the main is the main mastermind guy in kalululu oh Um, and to jeff when he when jeff graduated from college a couple a few years ago he jeff was a choir teacher at valley catholic and so i i got reconnected with Dan Schoffler through Jeff. That's and rad. Dude. It was just like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Shout out Mr. Schoffler. Yeah. And things done. <laughs> and uh, Jeff. Badass. And Jeff, yes. Uh Kalulu. Have you had them? Kalulu. Um, I have not had them on yet. They're easily my favorite Portland band. Like nice. no one puts on a better show than that band in this city right now, I don't think. It's pretty fucking remarkable. It's <laughs> unreal, dude. It's different almost every single time they find a way to make it a little bit different and the songs are so fucking cool. Mm-hmm. And there's just this commitment to the like the theater art performance that they mm-hmm. all seem to take on. And they're all in on it. They're all so, they're in on it, and they're into it. They oh, love it, dude. That's they're, the best part. There's one of the guys, or a couple of them, are like super reserved in person, and then they like put on the masks and the dresses, and they're just like out there so hard. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's so good. <laughs> it's I love I, it. I feel like it's so 
it's so amazing and important for them. They're experiencing creative freedom and that's what everybody should strive for. And, you know, it's like amazing that they get to feel that way and, and make us feel that way. Dude, it's so powerful. Like anytime they're playing and someone is in town, like I have like a, you know, a friend in town or something. It's like, we have to go see this band, dude. You are going, it's going to blow (laughs) your mind. This is like the true Portland experience, right? now. you need to see this band. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's yeah. It's, uh, did you see him at Mississippi a couple weeks? I missed that show, dude. And I know that they did some wild choir thing at the top. Yeah. They had like 30 people, 20 people or something at the top of like, that area of Mississippi studios. I saw the pictures and I was very yeah. like, bummed that I didn't make it out to that show. Oh, let me grab this. This is uh-huh. cool. What well, does this? That is a, um, it's like a sampler of their upcoming record. Oh, nice. Um, and that's like, cut on plastic or something what What? it's not a lacquer it's not like a traditional short run vinyl kind of medium yeah it's like plastic um did you uh (laughs) work on this yeah i recorded and mixed that and so you did the whole new record yeah and i did their last record too that's awesome um and i don't know if you would believe it but we did it in this room uh, oh really? Yeah, we did not go to a larger studio. It was done here, and um, at least half of the instruments were live. I know we over we did overdubs for the horns, but drums, bass, guitar, vocal. <laughs> oh, was live. dude, that's crazy. We should yeah. play it out with uh, one of the tracks off the the last one. You okay, did. that's, that's cool, what we should play yeah. it out with. Hell yeah, nice. Um, so did you? Did your parents just have the piano in the house, or did one of them, uh, or either of them, musicians, or it was just something they wanted to have? My mom is incredibly not musical. My dad likes to play the piano, um, um, and I don't mean it to be offensive because he would say he does say the same thing. He's just not a musician. He doesn't have um, he doesn't have rhythm. Uh, specifically, <laughs> so that's, uh, but he enjoyed it and but he, he enjoys playing. And... Yes. And he plays like every day oh, that's and cool. he downloads like sheet music of, um, like pop songs and he learns it like, this is amazing. He was, um, a couple years ago, it, it takes him like a long time to learn a track too. It's great. Um, but he's like dedicated to it. He, he downloaded the music for uh, a Miley Cyrus song, Wrecking Ball. <laughs> and he was playing Wrecking Ball. He was working on sections of it, playing it every day. My mom would tell us about it. And then uh, on Christmas Eve, when the whole family got together, he uh, he approached the piano and put up the music, and he proceeded to play us Wrecking Ball. And it's just like, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. And he like got through it, and it just... It didn't have any like feel or anything, but he like executed the song <laughs> <laughs> when you started uh playing guitar is that when you kind of got more into your own personal songwriting or were you mainly writing tunes i guess on the so piano um keys uh yeah i think mostly 
mostly keys. I have a, a larger vocabulary on keys. Um, I have, I studied jazz piano, so I understand um, like the the larger chords. Um, I'm just not a very good guitar player, but I have an okay feel and I can come up with stuff. So, um, yeah, more complete ideas come to me on the piano. Yeah. Um, was there kind of a certain point around, I don't know, I know you said you were kind of, you were kind of almost writing songs that, so that you could record them in some way, but was there like a point in like high school or something where you kind of decided that you wanted to dedicate more of your time towards the engineering side of things as opposed to maybe being a musician yourself or like pursuing playing in projects and things of that nature? Yeah, I guess I always thought that recording was like my thing. Um, like I was, I was like the only person I knew at my age who was doing that. Yeah. Um, and so I took on that job for bands that I knew, and through my own band, we ended up at a couple studios just for like one day of recording, and I just focused more on what the producer and the engineer were doing and I learned from them and pretty soon after that I started bringing other bands into those studios so I was like I think I as an engineer I brought my I brought my first like client band into a studio when I was 15 oh, wow. um, and then I I mean imagine what you would learn in that session on top of no, already knowing enough to even be able to execute that in the first place, it's really rapid learning. And yeah. so I would just snowball that and start bringing bands. And so I'd, I'd made a bunch of records at different studios in town by the time I was done with high school. Oh, that's wild. Um, so I was just doing it, you know, was, <laughs> was, um, like the first time you did something like that, would, would there be like, a head engineer or anybody yeah. else in the, okay yeah and you would you would kind of assist them or they would assist you rather so that you can make sure that everything was running correctly yeah okay. yeah hierarchy is kind of fluid in those situations so i wouldn't i wouldn't say one person was in charge or i mean the person who was like the house engineer in hindsight probably was pulling a lot more weight than I was on my first session when I was 15, for yeah. example. But, um, but yeah, people tend to be really open and collaborative and want to help. Um, and if someone is like really into it, it's people like as a kid, if you, if you're a kid really into recording and, um, it's not just because you have a bunch of money and you can buy gear, if it, um, then like, Someone who does that will see that and they would just want to help, you know, yeah. like when I was working at Supernatural um, for seven or eight years, I would get people inquiring all the time about interning. Um, and there was in that whole time, there was only one person who was really good and gave a shit and he assisted me for years Um and he built some stuff that's in this studio. He built these racks and he built, it was a, 
paid assistant at that point, not intern for Supernatural. <laughs> but but yeah, like when you meet someone who's like really dedicated, it's kind of remarkable because a lot of people want to do music adjacent things. Um, but it's, um, I don't know, it doesn't always attract um, people who are like in it for the long haul. You know? Yeah, it's definitely uh, a grind. Yeah, but I would imagine I, something like that like really fuels your fire to like want to keep doing stuff too. When you have an enthusiastic person who is just like really wants to learn the craft and yeah, and things like that. Well, when you have to show somebody how to do something, and then they ask questions about why do you do this? Why do you use this microphone instead of that? You um, you end up reminding yourself why you're making those choices and you question some of those things too. So you get to learn. It's everybody benefits, you know? Yeah. And also you, you had that experience with somebody like, you know, really uh, having that positive impact on you. Yeah. To like move your craft along. So right. I would imagine that that's like something you want to attempt to return to someone else or, you know. Totally. Yeah. Cause it works. <laughs> yeah you just have to look out for it because it just might be great for, for everybody sure. so it evolved from that four track recorder pretty quickly then where you're in a yeah. studio making moves because that's i mean also that was what year did you graduate high school so that was an interesting time i graduated in um oh six okay i'm just a few years ahead of you okay like oh three but not yeah, that's... like O three. It was <laughs> it was like that. <laughs> but that was I mean, that was a time when, you know, I mean, I was making records with like my band at that time and you had to like go to a studio. Yeah. There wasn't really the home setups were not what they are now, where there's so much right stuff that you can do within your home, I feel like. Well, yeah, I mean for perspective there was no iTunes. There was no Garage Band. There wasn't even MySpace yet in 2006. There was not MySpace, <laughs> so there was no way to get like your no music out media. there. <laughs> it was like Reverb Nation yet, maybe. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, there was CD Baby, yeah, and it was physical. You would send them CDs, and then they would sell them on their website only. Yes. And they had like 15 second clips right. that sounded like shit. And <laughs> it was amazing, but that was fun. It was, it's, I, I like it when things feel challenging, you know, like I don't like it when things are too easy and you kind of have to go out and figure it out on your own. You know, I like that. But. Yeah. So were you pretty, immersed in it during that time with like were you going home and and reading about people's engineering techniques and and shit like that oh yeah oh yeah and um you know getting advice from people and just trying things out and making really bad sounding stuff and then um one time you'll something will sound good and you're like oh I did it that way. Cool. That's how I do that now. Like the first time you figure out how to make drums sound good, that's that really 
uh, changes the game a little bit. Well, it's like such a <laughs> huge part of the process, like it, how long it can take to set up and, and mic up a drum set, right? Oh, yeah. Like hours <laughs> getting those sounds dialed in. It's It's crazy. You can do it fast, but if you take your time, if you're lucky enough to have time and a good studio and a good budget. Sometimes I've been in situations where all we do is set up and get good sounds the first day and we don't record anything and, and we know that in advance. And like, if we record anything on that first day, that's just gonna be a, a happy accident because what we're really trying to do is really try to dial the sounds and make sure that, um, get the headphones sounding good, get everything processed and just tracking it so it sounds like a finished record as much as possible. And then on the second day, we walk in and you just go straight into the song and there's no um, there's no technical stuff to be figured out. Yeah. I really like separating activities like that. Well, that must be really nice too because I feel like, um, you know, someone that's experienced some of those long days in the studio, by the time that drum set is, you know, properly mic'd up and you're really ready to go everybody's kind of like burnt out on the process if yeah. they've been there all day yeah i mean just record a little bit of something and then go get dinner and some beers and go sleep and hit it really fresh the next day yeah. you know um do you have any explanation for maybe somebody that you know, hasn't been in these types of situations, why it can take like a full day to kind of dial in sounds. <laughs> um, like why is it so, why does it take so yeah, long? Why does it take so long for, you know? Well, a good one that I, that I get sometimes is this isn't directly related. Well, I guess it is directly related, but um, I'll be, maybe there's a big band and I don't have an assistant so I'm setting everything up myself and it's, you know, four or five piece band and we're in a studio and I'll be like running mic cables and moving mics and somebody in the band is just standing there like, anything I can do to help? Anything at all. I can, I can do anything. Just let me know. Ready, ready to go. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we didn't, we didn't, uh get clear on this before <laughs> but okay why does it take so long um you have to make the drums sound really good in the room first okay um if you if you've just been on tour and you bring in that drum kit um you probably like the sound of the components but under a magnifying glass or a microscope whichever one um, it sounds totally different than what you're used to um, hearing through your monitor. Um, so you need to tune the drums and you probably need different, maybe different cymbals and different um, like muffling devices on the snare. Um, I usually bring between five and 10 snares with me at any session because you don't know which one is going to like fit in the track, right? And yeah. so you might try each of those for every song. Um, for sure. And, and then I want to 
process things. I want to compress an EQ and maybe add some distortion and stuff on the way in so we don't have to think about that later. And so some people would consider that maybe mixing a little bit, but that's just production. That's how everybody used to do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, make it sound good and that just takes time. But it's so rewarding when you're in headphones and you're fucking slamming that drum kit as a drummer and it sounds like a record. It's like there's no better way to get a good take, a good performance out of the band than having their headphones in real time sound like a finished record. Yeah, because sometimes it sounds like shit when you're trying to record. And yeah. That's yeah, you just not, hear some probably not gonna put out drum. the best performance. Right. It doesn't um, get you excited. Uh, well, yeah. the drums are definitely, uh, you know, something that really stand out to me on all the records that you work on. Awesome. For sure. Especially Thanks. that dude, like the on White Sugar, that Tango, Alpha Tango record. I think those drummers sound, or the drums on that sound great. And awesome. I'm just a big fan of Joey, too. Yeah. Throwing down on the drums. So, yep. like, that seems like a good. Good team there. Yeah. We've known each other for a very long time. We went to high school together. Okay. Um, and we were in a band together. Nice. Um, yeah. Um, as far as, uh, you know, something like kind of dedicating that first day to just getting sounds and then being able to go in the next day, along those lines, are you somebody that likes to have a max amount of hours that you want to record in one day to keep yourself fresh? Yes. And what is that kind of that magic number? It's a you? lower amount than I think a lot of people do. <laughs> what are we talking like six hours? I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. It's just whatever, whatever keeps you fresh. And, you know, when, when we were younger and we'd go in for like 14 or something and dude, that shit is nuts. It's so stupid. It's insane. <laughs> you just, you just undo all the good and you make poor decisions and then you're useless the next day. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I'll do a six hour day. If everyone's down with that, I'll, I'll typically do an eight or 10. Okay. But, um, but yeah, there's, I, there's somebody that I work with on a pretty regular basis and, he, um, we, the pace is pretty, pretty chill. And sometimes it's a six hour day and what well, we can get done in that day because there's no pressure and we can come back the next day feeling just as good. We get as much or more done as you would under, um, longer days with more pressure. So, um, there's, there's really no rule except don't like be weird about money and time just just have a goal and a budget and then make the thing you know yeah um you can't i've had some i've i've been frustrated a couple of times when you say like a day is 10 hours and um at the the ninth hour 55 minute mark the someone's like okay well we have five minutes what can what can we do now that we haven't thought about and it's like i don't know why you're thinking about time in this way it's like yeah that's very interesting right yeah it's like i don't know it's a cultural thing we're obsessed with like oh i got a great deal on that like yeah you know it's like, uh, and it's like are you going to squeeze something magical out of that five minutes anyway <laughs> like, right like exploring this idea that you don't even you're just like pulling for something now because you have the five minutes left 
Yeah, and it's like, you, I mean, if it's good, you got more than five minutes. We got an hour. If you've got a, if you've got a good idea and it, the shit's really cooking, like, yeah, we'll stay until that idea is explored. But um, you can't um, think about it from a position of scarcity, you know? For sure. You can't think about anything from that position. You, you can't be free if you feel contained you know yeah dude Um, absolutely i think that's uh that's definitely uh you know an important thing to be mindful of especially when you're creating something but i feel you know when you're i also understand you know somebody that is thinking like that almost you know of, of trying to get everything they can because Sometimes studio time is is very expensive, and mm-hmm. and and it's hard to separate yes. what you are paying for and and just enjoy the experience. Yeah, I think sometimes for some people, definitely. I just think, and I I don't take that for granted. You know, like I don't I don't think like oh another day another session, fuck it. You know, yeah. like and you don't have a timer on. Like all right, it's uh, this is like you were saying. This is like, it's, it's 10 hours. Right. We're going to just cut everything right now. The, the money stuff and the time stuff needs to feel separate. You need to decide what you're going to accomplish with the budget you have. And then trust that we're all going to do our, our part and deliver on that. You know, like if you, if you think we can record, you know, the four piece band with overdubs and be ready to mix in four days for X amount of money, then we're going to, and it it seems reasonable, then we're going to do that. And then that's the end of being concerned about that stuff. Yeah. We're, we're going to go home with that being done. Yeah. And I would assume like when, you know, when someone's, kind of signing you onto a project that they're trusting in you when they present you an idea that you're going to say yes this is doable or this is not realistic in some way yeah i don't get a whole lot of like hello i'm looking to record two days in the studio with my band it's it's not like that for for me it's um we talk about making a record and then it's like okay where would be a good place to do this and can we afford that should we do less songs should we do a different studio like so we come up with the process to suit the project yeah did that did that part of it come pretty naturally to you as far as kind of facilitating these sessions and not just being the engineer but someone that can almost consult Mm -hmm. with the band Mm -hmm. yeah i like to I like to organize the whole thing if possible. Um, I feel least comfortable when I'm just random engineer guy. Um, like I usually have thoughts about tones and parts. Um, and I would like to share those. Um, and I mean, with the, with the studio selection stuff, like I've always, um, worked in as many studios as I can because 
um, they're all different and they all bring special things to the table and the right room for one thing is not necessarily the right room for another band. Like I work a lot at this residential studio in El Paso, Texas called Sonic Ranch and that might seem crazy. Is that where uh <clears throat> where they did the last Bon Iver record? Yeah. 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 I saw yeah, I saw the video that they made for the making of that record. That place looks amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> he had just like th- out in the middle of the nowhere kind of It's vibe? like an hour east of El Paso. Okay. It's right on the border with Juarez. Yeah. Um and I've been out there a bunch of times and that might seem kind of silly. It's like I can't afford the going out of state and making a record like who do you think you are or something but it's like i don't know i mean they have all the best vintage microphones they have a hundred or more electric guitars like they have everything that you would want and they cook for you and you live there and um and because it's el paso like it's not very expensive and so like what you can get done there in five days is pretty remarkable and it doesn't directly compare with anything you could get done maybe at a studio you rent here. So it's like, I kind of say like, if you have the budget to go to a studio, you also have the budget to go to a studio that's not necessarily in town if that's a good fit for you. Like you have the budget to go to the right studio. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Are those some pretty special experiences for you when you get to like actually go somewhere and kind of stay with a band for a few days and yeah, you're just in, in their company for days at a time and not really separating at the end of the, the work day. Yeah. And that's all you do. You just do record with those people. That's your activity. And is that kind of like, it's kind of like a thing. It just, when you're in that sort of space that you're just kind of recording when the when the time is obviously you have to be conscious of the, mm-hmm. the time that you have but it's kind of like all right we're gonna go i'm gonna go eat dinner but if you have this idea later we can just jump back those are definitely room. longer days than yeah um than like a studio in town where everybody lives um and it's great it doesn't feel that way it's just kind of something that we expect and embrace and enjoy, you know, like, um, it's just a, it's a different world. And when you don't have to like go home and feed your dog and like make dinner and do all that shit, you definitely also have the energy to just be in the studio longer. Right. It, it doesn't feel there's no, there's nothing that's like a novelty about that. It's Absolutely. just so natural. Yeah. yeah. But that place, Sonic Ranch, it's a trip. It's verifiably haunted. Um, like it is out in the desert. The, it's just really crazy artwork and colors and lights. And it's all about like a surreal environment. That's why like, yeah, Bon Iver, to the record and um oh who else um 
the guy Dave Siddick from TV on the radio. He produces all of the records that he makes for other bands there. Yeah, yeah, yes. And um, God, who is he with last time? I mean, and then the la- one of the last times I was there, um, the the Beatles engineer, Jeff Emmerich, he was there producing a Mexican pop artist. And he, our studios were next to each other. And at the end of the day, he would, my band was gone and I was just hanging out in the studio playing piano and drinking beer. And he would come over to my studio because I had the beer. And he would just hang out with me. That's just. Playing, we like sat at the piano together and we would just like play piano. I recorded it. I have like these things. He's a great classical piano player and we would just drink beers and he would tell me really specific stories and techniques about recording the Beatles. And then we would just hang out every night that week and then we left. And then like a couple months later he died. And it was just like, wow, I can't believe I got to like genuinely spent time with someone like that that's that's wild man that's crazy Um, that's what i love about a place like that that they have five studios and it just brings random people together yeah Um, there's a whole community within the space yeah and it like just going over to other people's studios at night and listening to what they've been working on it's like um, another time I was there, Andrew WK was in the studio <laughs> and they're just like really like music nerd, hyper excited people, gearheads and well, yeah, dude, high energy like some, and like really technical <laughs> records. Like yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, everyone wants to be friends though. I, yeah. The... I mean, I would imagine <laughs> if you're signing up to like go to that sort of space, that's part of the reason you're going there. You're probably not like the most closed off people that need to be alone necessarily. Yeah. They do have a studio for that. It's a, uh, it's like a mile away is like the private okay. space, which, which is dope. Like yeah. you should have that if that's what you want yeah. for your experience. But you know, I would have, like I said, I would assume that that just like really brings in those yes. type of people that want to be around other folks and do want to have like these, uh, you know, encounters with people around the around the space. Right. And it's such a it's such a special place that um, it like bonds people like um, my friend um, Josiah, uh, he goes by Buddy Ross. He's a producer and writer who. um he writes a lot with like Frank Ocean and some of those people who lives in LA now, but he's the one who he produced the Liz Vice record that I engineered. Oh, right. Um, We're going to get into a track off of that sh- here shortly. Yeah. And he has done some writing with Bon Iver. And so I went to the Bon Iver show with him and we got to go hang out with Justin Vernon after the show. And we just immediately started talking about our experiences at Sonic Ranch. It like brings you together. You yeah, know? yeah, this like, parallel. That's rad, dude. It's yeah, it's not like it's not name droppy and weird. It's like, dude, you had that experience too. It's a it's like I you had, did mushrooms too, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely like relating to a specific drug trip. <laughs> yeah, no, no. That's that's very cool, man. Um yeah, let's get into uh, a track off that Liz Vice record. Cool. Um, Empty Out is one of my favorite tracks. And um, this is it. Empty 
I've not seen Liz play before, but mm. um, she seems like a pretty powerful force. Yes. And she's based out of here, right? Or was for She was. Um, I know she moved to New York. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if she is still there. Um, yeah. And that was, that was just the record that you did the tracking for? Yeah, we tracked everything except vocals live on tape at Jackpot. Um, Josiah, Buddy Ross on keys, and Eric Early from Blitz and Trapper on guitar. Um, so Josiah did that, uh, that organ solo out of that song. There's like a really bitchy oh yeah. kind of like organ solo. Oh, yeah. oh, it's so good. He is an extremely tasteful and tasty keyboard player. He has all the synthesizers, and he makes such weird music himself. Um, yeah, that record really talented. Yeah, that record sounds great. Um, it's, yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, what are, so like? What are the different roles you will play in within a session? If you're not orchestrating the thing, there are times where you are just the engineer in the room who's mm -hmm. supposed to keep his mouth shut kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And how will like something like that come about? People just <laughs> reaching out to you. How will like the least involved version of yeah. that come about? Yeah. I mean, um, usually that was when I was the head engineer at supernatural. Okay. Um, someone would want to record there and I would be the per the first person to do something about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then are there other I'm just thinking about certain moments right now. <laughs> and Mostly are there, good. Are Mostly there good. other times where your role is only to mix down a record? Yes. And do you do quite a bit of that, as much as that as you do with playing more of an active role as like a engineer and producer? Yeah, I'd say about half of what I do is mixing stuff that other people have recorded in other places. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what this room is for. I'm, I mix a lot of records in here. That's like on any given day, that's probably what I'm doing. Um, but I really like to have produced and recorded the thing as well, if yeah. possible. That's always the preference. Pretty much always, except it's always interesting to get records in that other people have taken pretty far. Um, and then I'm just into mix because, um, it's just things sound different. The approaches are different and, um, I don't know the origins exactly. Um, yeah. it's just taking what they've got and making it sound cool. And I really like that. I think, that's what a lot of people come to me for, I guess, um, is to finish their record. Um, but I'm trying to get more into starting records too. <laughs> I, I love and finishing them. And fi yeah, <laughs> starting and finishing. Yes, but I'm like I was in a band in high school and and stuff, and we kind of took it seriously. We we just didn't make a kind of music that people really like um so uh that always makes it difficult yeah and 
you really have to like be honest about that. It's like, um, what we're doing is pretty good for what it is. It's just not for, there's not a whole lot of people that this is for. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to write more and co-write more and, um, bring more ideas to projects where people are interested in that. Um, yeah. And that's fun. I don't, I don't need to like write entire songs by myself, getting out some emotions and working through ideas. I just like to, um, create things in various, uh, capacities, you know? Yeah. I would also imagine if you're, you know, producing or just engineering a session and you hear something that you want to be able to share that idea with whoever you're working with. If you feel like you have something that might serve the song. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I would hope that it, we're always in a situation where that, um, that's okay. You know, like, I feel like it's the least experienced bands that are explicit about not wanting to hear other people's ideas. Makes Whereas, sense, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like, a, I think that's, yeah, that's like one of those things that comes with time of like getting out of your own way and kind of breaking that barrier down and the ego trip. Of right. Like, no, I wrote this song. This is the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> cool. You wrote that song and it's really good. Now you've got five people in the room and we're all just trying to make it really good. Right. So why not? We're all working together. It's crazy. Like it, it always happens. The best, the, like the, the most experienced bands that you think you like need to just like be quiet and let them do their thing. They want input the most. Like I've been working with this band that was, pretty like big in the nineties and early two thousands called cake. Yeah, um, absolutely. And they are just want input. And you would never think that cause it really feels like it's the one guy who's really, it's all really his vision, but he's constantly asking me like, is this cooler than that? Was that, did you like that better? Is, is this not playful enough? Is this like, it, it's, just all these little questions where he wants a second opinion and, and you can also suggest something entirely too. And it, it, it's just amazing. Like that's how, that's the kind of room you want to be in. Yeah. That must be very cool for you too, to like have the trust of somebody that has that much experience making records Yeah, and then wanting your input. Well, and those records are like pretty much what I grew up loving and thinking was like part of a, a definition of a good sounding record. So like, it's kind of crazy to like grow up listening to a band and literally know all of their songs and then work with them. It's actually, it's quite a natural collaboration. Like if every older band could have a, engineer producer someone who is, has that level of familiarity yeah, with their music sure. that would it would probably be really good because i am i like reminding them or helping them steer themselves towards the the kinds of sounds that made 
some of their records really feel good. Um, yeah, it's just being able to help help you steer yourself. Yeah, dude. You what know? a fucking trip, though. Yeah, for you to get to have that experience. I cannot do marijuana and then do that situation. <laughs> we gotta. <laughs> That would that would not be possible. For <laughs> so, are me. you working on that their whole new record then? I think so. Dude, that's, that's we've just been doing that. So that's we sweet. did a. I know the single, the newest single. Then is yeah, the one that you did. Yep, and it was actually crazy. We actually recorded the drums right here, that kit there, um, and all his like backing vocals he did in the bathroom with the lights out, just like shouting into the shower. Um, guitar bass and i mixed it here because he's Um, also a portland dude yeah or at least lives here yeah so the main guy the singer and songwriter john mccray he moved here maybe two years ago and the guitarist zan mccurdy he's lived here for maybe seven or eight years so i met zan at a wild ones show because he's friends with them and i was just like you're the guitarist from Cake. You're really good. <laughs> You're and, good at music. Yeah. Man. And he was like, "Who me? Let's talk now." <laughs> and then we just became friends, and that's that's how I ended up working with them. That's so cool. Um, as far as uh, mixing other people's projects that they're bringing to you that that you did not record, is that one of those, you know? Although you you would prefer to get to be a part of the whole experience, is that like one of those challenges that you that you appreciate still is is having to mix down somebody else's tracking and yeah? Do you feel like they're that kind of forces a different creativity out of you? Yeah, it's it's really different because you it's a totally different thing to navigate because you have to figure out how far you can push something because you don't really you're not as familiar with the boundaries that have been established sonically. Like if you're, if you're making a record from pre-production, seeing the live shows and, and then getting together and deciding like where things should go and how they should sound, you kind of, and spending all this time listening to music together and, like you kind of get a sense of where it's coming from and where it's supposed to go. But if something kind of just gets dropped in your lap by someone you've never met before, um, you really, I really like to um, do some of the extra things like make me a Spotify playlist, you know, Um, not necessarily what you want your record to sound like maybe, but maybe just stuff that you think is cool um just like get to know you real quick kind of yeah kind of thing what you're trying to get out of this a little bit yeah and hopefully we can hang out too if you're in if you're local then we can you know get a a beverage or a meal or something and talk and get a sense of what we're doing or yeah yeah so they don't have like a first meeting like this where they're just on microphones (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's fine too i don't know i actually really like I, i've i've uh i really enjoyed this being like my first encounter with a lot of people it's just like on the microphones yeah it's kind of well you've got the headphones on too so you kind of have like it's like a, a um a, 
transportable comfort zone. <laughs> you, you have your yeah your thing. Um, and I do too. I'm in my studio. You're on the couch where everybody is. Dude, I love. We, to, this is how we talk all the time. Anyway, this is rad. Like I love to get to come to somebody else's space because I feel like it makes them a little more comfortable. Yeah, to get to be in their their spot. You know, whether it's like their home studio or their living room. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is. It's definitely like the advantage of having everything kind of on this mobile recorder. You know? Right. And that thing is cool. It just looks crazy. I don't know what it looks like. <laughs> I had a digital recorder like that after the four track, but it, I don't know, what a what a cool aesthetic. I don't know. Um, when we were talking about tracking drums and why that can take a long time some sometimes, um, you were talking about just bringing in different snares or, or something like that is a big part of why somebody will gravitate towards you or a certain engineer is because of those different pieces of gear that they have specifically? Like, is that part of your your tool belt, having all, like, specific pieces of gear? Maybe. Um, I think you can wrap up your identity a lot, for better or worse, in your gear. Um, I think a lot of people do that. Um, it may be in a negative way. I see a lot of engineers and studios. Um, I guess it's fine when studios do it, but I see engineers like posting a lot of pictures of like microphones and like talking about them in really technical detail. And it's like, why are you talking to other engineers on your Instagram? Shouldn't you be talking to artists? <laughs> so like I, I have that kind of approach with, the equipment that I own too. I try to have um, different flavors of guitars and amps and drums and stuff that um, that speak to the kinds of music that I think people want to make. Um, I have good mics and a, a variety of mics too, but I really feel like nobody gives a shit about those if the recording sounds good. And um, to me, what's going to make it sound good is like that bass amp that's like going to really get your low end sounding awesome. And I know that that drum kit records really well. So I keep it in that kind of condition. And basically I want to have, you should be able to walk in here or somewhere else with no equipment and have options to make something sound really good, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think in the studio world, that's kind of extracurricular. You you kind of start with all the rat gear, and then anything beyond that in the musician's side is like a bonus or something. But I don't think of it that way. I think you need to have everything available and be able to make things sound awesome. Yeah. Are you Are you at a point with this where you're only working on projects that that you really dig where you're all where you get to kind of be choosy about it um kind of yeah yeah i don't um i don't really wake up and hit the studio and be like fuck this thing is today yeah like i hate this <laughs> like <laughs> um I don't know if I've ever had that. Maybe a couple of times. But you're like but. Not, you're not in that position anymore where you're you know, 
the main engineer at Supernatural and maybe just working with whatever bands are right. booked for the day, right? Right. Yeah, it's more... I th- That's been really awesome is like I feel like when I when I connect with a band and we're going to make something, it's because we want to do it together. Um, and so it's rarely a bad fit. Sometimes a bad fit will happen when things get paired up not because of the people um yeah Yeah. (laughs) and i would imagine also like do you have times where maybe you meet with a band for sort of those pre-production meetings and just kind of realize that maybe the project isn't like this isn't the right setup like yep as far as working with that band or them working with you yeah yeah and um we will we will acknowledge that and and be clear about why you yeah. know if the music is not something that i re- that i can relate to then we won't really even talk about doing it um sure. and i don't i don't mean that i can't relate to in like a this sucks kind of way it's just like oh i i really don't know how to make a metal record but i i know these other people you need to hit them up because they make really good metal records and they're going to love this. Yeah. So it's never like a dead end. It's always check, check this guy out. Yeah. You know, he, he will totally get what you're doing and we're friends and he's great at what he does. Uh, are you also, uh, like, are there certain people that you like to work with for mastering or like to recommend people work with after they've totally worked with you at this point? I pretty much, directly send all my mixes to Timothy Stolenwerk, Stereophonic Mastering. He's mastered most of my mixes for at least five years, and he lives in the neighborhood, which is crazy. So sometimes we hang out. Um, We're always emailing each other about different, like, breakthroughs we've had in our work. Um, Like... I just got some software that does like um, uh, room EQ correction uh, compensation. And um, I like showed him, I sent him a picture of like the crazy EQ curve I had before and after. And he was like, yeah, here's mine from when I did it on this other thing. We're just like nerd buddies. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. That's right. It's so you don't have to try to get validation by showing your girlfriend an EQ curve. Um, <laughs> you're not going to get that interest there. You're not going to get what you need out of that experience. No, no. And neither is she. No, no. Because she didn't want anything from that <laughs> She um, didn't know that that was even supposed to be an experience. Have you uh, spent much time like in the mastering world or like yeah done much of that yourself yeah I, I do it sometimes for um some people that i have like an ongoing really creative relationship with there's um one of my best friends uh his name is ari chersky and he's a new york guy um he's my age and we went to school together and he does like really experimental ambient noise jazz stuff and i make his records with him um and i record them sometimes in new york with him and or he comes here um 
or I just mix things and, um, yeah, we just get super weird with all the toys and the technology and sometimes, so I like master those, which is kind of, it's almost like a mixing beyond kind of thing. I'll be really heavily coloring things, um, as though it were part of the mixing process. Are there some uh, some kind of iconic records to you as far as the oh, engineering man. on them? Like some, some things that are just absolute go-tos for you or specific engineers or producers that you lean heavy towards? I mean, honestly, like um, a lot of Spoon records really hit me with the good stuff uh sonically and musically um i just think those sound and feel really good even the more lo-fi earlier years stuff up until the new stuff that they're doing with dave fridman who produces the flaming lips the um i feel like some of those vibes come through in what you do yeah yeah, I bet they do. No, that's <laughs> great. I, like, I think that's awesome. Like, that's yeah, awesome. dude, the fucking Spoon records sound amazing. <laughs> that's really cool. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? I mean, God, I, I always, well, anything that John Congleton produces, St. Vincent, Angel Olsen, um, uh, what else has he done? I don't know. I really. I really listen to whatever people show me and tell me that I should check out. Um, I don't have, uh, I don't get a huge, uh, lot of time to like, um, go super deep on like one album for my own pleasure, you know? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Everything is just like, learning and digesting and trying to get on the same page and, and with with artists you know yeah especially um, when you're also like asking them to make playlists for you to get some sense of what yeah they're looking forward to i would imagine you're getting kind of exposed to things that you wouldn't have normally listened to well like perfect example is i just last week finished mixing a record um for this amazing dude who lives in LA his name is Mackison and it's like it's kind of like a Kanye record it's like R&B and hip-hop and but um but kind of like kind of strange um and like aggressive in really 90s and so for that I literally listened to the Bone Thugs and Harmony song Crossroads every day for like four months, at least once, sometimes 10 or more times. So like, that's like suddenly part of my life. I know the fucking song. song. Yeah. It's like a year ago, I didn't think that that would be a thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That it was just like a silly song that I remember from being a kid, but it's dope. (laughs) It's got Bone great low good. ends, great vocal sounds. It's a really open mix. It really hits hard, um, classic and modern. It's just like, yeah, it's a great vibe. Are you someone that kind of like, like if you're not working on music, do you kind of prefer to not be listening to it? 
Um, like, do you need space away from it? No, not really. That's cool. Yeah. I don't, maybe I do need the space, but I don't take it. Um, yeah. It's not detrimental, obviously. No. To your process to kind of have like, oh, I only listen to podcasts when I'm not (laughs) mixing records or making, making records or. Yeah. I mean, I, if I, if I am honest, I'm, I am pretty like obsessively focused with just this thing that I do. Um, it's probably why you're very good at it. I don't think Well, yeah. I I mean, I, yeah, I just don't do uh, a whole lot of other things. That's why I get sometimes I'll just like take it all out and get, go really hard on like some like cooking projects or like yard doing stuff in the yard. (laughs) Just something like to get your brain wrapped up in something else. Yeah. Like the, the, the like the pizza making thing is just like there are so many parallels between that and trying to be good at making art it's like my friend was saying that like he does shit like that too and it's like something that we have in us that like we need to grow and see progress and like just like really dive deep into something and take it to the next level and you know have that process and so he he does crazy shit like that with food and i do too and a lot of a lot of us do that no, it's, yeah dude it's, it's very rad i like it i think yeah I, and i think you're right i think it accesses like the same types of things mm-hmm. that it takes to like be good at what you're doing with the music you know or applying some of those same processes and yeah and and so maybe you don't beat the music to death like some people really micro focus in on things in their music that really don't make a difference either way um and to me that just feels like someone who needs to take out that energy on something else you know (laughs) like yes that is that is probably very true. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> that person's definitely not getting laid. At, the, at least and there are other issues. <laughs> They're frustrated. Yeah. Um. Do you kind of have a holy shit moment from this whole, from your your journey doing this? Uh, aside from this crazy experience you're kind of having with getting to work with the cake project. A holy shit. Or has there been like, has there been like anything, any moment that we can close out on that's kind of uh, like you, you're just kind of having to pinch yourself that you're in in the room with these people, or anything like super strange happen? Something strange was assisting assistant engineering for Lady Gaga a couple years ago when they were working on a Star Is Born. Um, that like, that was just really intense and it just totally wasn't my bag. It was, you know, it was just like purely support and not like part of the team. Yeah. And she was so nice and cool. Um, but it's really their thing. And it's just like, you just make sure this, this day doesn't get fucked up (laughs) and we're going to keep being ourselves with our team and stuff. And I really, 
I really appreciated that because I don't want to move to LA and do that. I want to, it just reaffirmed that I just want to like connect with people and make music with them from the ground up. Be a part of it. And be a part of it and make new things together. Yeah. You know, I don't want to execute a role um, or a task, you know, um, we need to be like firing at maximum creativity and maximum freedom and uh, at all times, you know, Um, that's that's what I want to do. I don't just want to like try to do big names and make money. Yeah. Like that's not what it's about. Was it Um, wild to like get to see that process? Was it any different than, you know, your, your normal studio session? So is it kind of a thing where there's like a team of people in there? Basically. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's really fascinating. I, I like complicated situations and crushing logistics. Um, I think, I think that's kind of fun. Uh, but, um, yeah. And she's an amazing singer. She really can do anything in one take and doesn't need any tuning. That was pretty shocking. Um, yeah, it's cool to see at that like level of pop music yeah. that there's not a whole lot of magic going on. With right. The... They're still going to do the magic, but they don't need to. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And it's cool that she was like nice and yeah, you know, not yeah. some terrible person to encounter. It's the the really established, really well-known people are never the assholes. It seems like <laughs> it's uh I mean maybe, but not not that I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Right on, dude. We uh we crushed a lot here. Yeah. I feel like we could keep keep on cruising, but oh, I have a hockey game tonight. Yeah, it's a long time now <laughs> from when we started. Yeah, dude, we did like over an hour and a half, I think. Holy shit. Or that was we did fun, about man. an hour and a half. This is super fun. I'd love to we'll have to you have to become a regular guest of the program, you know? As, oh wow. Especially, you know, keep hearing about some of these projects you're a working program on. Regular. A program regular. A program regular. Um I'm gonna put all the links in the episode notes so people can uh check out your website and check out more of the records that you've worked on and I'll put your Instagram link on there and whatnot. Awesome, thank you. Um and do you have any playlists that you've made? That are like public for people? Yes. I just put something together, which is cool. So on my website, there is an embedded Spotify playlist of some of my favorite things that I've worked on. Well, and you, you can follow it. And I just actually, it's an ongoing thing. I update it. So nice. Um, well, if you send me the link for that, I'll put the link for that as well in, the, uh, in the episode notes. And, uh, what song from Kalulu should we play it out with? Oh man. See, they're not on Spotify, they, so I can't look at Dude, they just up. took it down, I feel like. I thought they were never on it. Jeff has always Go, been anti. If you search No that yeah, that This is a live record. I didn't do this one. Uh, if you they're on oh, Bandcamp I guess, though. Yeah. All right. We'll have to get it off Bandcamp. And we will choose it shortly. Dude. Dude. Do, do. 
We've selected a track. We're going to play it out with number 14. Your favorite track on the record. My favorite track on the Kalulu It's one record. of my favorite Kalulu tracks yes. in general. Like, uh, definitely one I'm always stoked when they play, play live. Um, so we're going to do that. We have to sail this thing out properly with uh, the guest of the podcast saying the tagline for the show, which is, it's a program. So if we could get the David Pollock, it's a program, we can uh, properly end this thing. It's a program. He nailed it, everybody. It's David Pollock. All the links will be in the episode notes. And uh, we're playing it out with some Kalulu, one of the best bands in Portland, Oregon. Go see one of their live shows. This is number 14, and we will catch you. I almost forgot. That's the Jelly Jams. This is the Jelly Jams. This is how this all always goes out. It's got to go out the right way. That's the Jelly Jams. And uh, we will catch you on the flip side, Portland. Yeah. It's only 5.30 p.m. Take a look out the door Find the sunken devil until he blows away And fills the holes in your floor And fills the holes in your floor And fills the holes in your floor Look for more, ask again, tell me nothing Look for more, ask again, tell me nothing Look for more, ask again, tell me nothing It's a program.